Today, we're going to be talking about human evolution and some of the reasons why it's so complicated to get an answer about our ancestors. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Just Nas Science Podcast. Each episode, we debunk ridiculous yet common science misconceptions we find online and get just a little salty about them. I'm your personal neuroscientist, Nick. Lauren is away this weekend. She is at a friend's bachelorette party, so it's just me, and I don't know how to feel about it. It's me and Jerry. The boys are back in town, and we are ready to roll. So, like I said before, uh, we're going to be talking about human evolution, mostly because there was a new species of early humans discovered. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about Pokemon, because I'm a huge Pokemon fan. I absolutely love the franchise, and I play the games, well, mostly the card games. And if you're interested in playing card games, learning how to play, maybe you need something to do uh, on the weekends, and you're still not super comfortable going out to clubs and bars, and instead you could be home or with your friends playing Pokemon. And I can teach you how with my new YouTube channel. Go check it out. Links in the episode description. Early human history and our evolution into what we are today is surprisingly short in the grand scheme of Earth's existence. I mean, Earth is how many billions years old or whatever it is. It's crazy long. But in the short time that humans have been around, a lot has happened. Modern humans, also called Homo sapiens, only appeared about 300,000 years ago. Prior to our emergence, though, we had a lot of family members. In school, you probably learned about one of our earlier ancestors, Homo erectus, which aside from having the best name ever, is only a small fragment of the story. Dates and timelines about when our ancestors lived changes as we find new pieces of information like artifacts, bones, and other signs of early human settlements. We also have better technology to examine and re-examine the pieces that we've already discovered. That's one of the things that really annoys me when we're talking about uh, uh, human evolution. It's like it's it's so important to note because one of the arguments we hear all the time is that scientists can't get it right or they're changing the story. And it's like yeah, duh. Of course, we're changing the story as new information becomes available. I, otherwise, what's the point? And I think one of those, I don't remember which one, is like an actual headline I saw, not in the news. It was like some off-brand blog about, you know, how evolution is fake and now scientists are changing their story or scientists can't get it right. One of those things they actually said. But... What I don't want to do is spend too much time talking about the difference between a scientific theory and just like a regular old theory because we just re-released our first episode on the theory of evolution last week and if you haven't heard it, it's a great starting point. It was actually our second episode ever and so I did, going back, I was a little embarrassed listening to it because it was so bad. Lauren and I were still very nervous and... I did a little bit of editing to try to polish it up and make it sound a little bit better and closer to the format in which we do things today. So if you go and listen and like the intro is 
wildly different because it was at the time. There you go. That's why. What I do want this episode to be about is a little more information about our evolutionary past. I want to focus on a few items from the timeline of human evolution that was provided by the Smithsonian Museum and was updated as recently as April 2021. And I can't stress this enough. In five years, this information may be outdated, but that isn't proof that evolution didn't occur in humans. It just means our understanding of what happened in our early development has changed based on new information. The earliest what we call human that fall into the Homo uh, genus goes back 2.4 million years ago. We call this Homo habilis or the handyman. This group got its name for being one of the earliest tool makers. And I do want to distinguish that there's a difference between making tools and just using something as a tool. If I pick up a stick and I start swinging it around, wielding it like a weapon, I did not make a tool. I just used a tool. But if I jammed a stone into a piece of wood and started using it like a hammer, well, now that's something totally different. I created a thing. Interestingly enough, evidence for the first tools that we found predates Homo habilis. And the two simplest explanations are Earlier hominids, which are human-like ancestors, made tools as well, or Homo habilis is older than we think. Without more information, it's impossible to know which one is the real story, but I just thought it was pretty cool. Next on the list is Homo erectus, which lived as early as 1.9 million years ago. These early humans were the first to have limb proportions similar to ours, and as a result, it's thought they lived underground, losing their treetop habitats. Evidence suggests that Homo erectus cared for the elderly and weak, which is a strong sign of civilization and the form, uh, the formation rather, of society as we know it today. And I think that is so, so cool. As early as almost 2 million years ago, we were still caring for the weak and the elderly and those who just needed a hand. I think that's incredible. They also lived as recently as 100,000 years ago, 110,000 years ago, which means that there may have been some interactions with our modern Homo sapiens since we were around 300,000 years ago. There's like a 200,000 year range in which there could have been some interaction, whether it was positive, negative, neutral, I don't know, but there could have been. I think by far the most interesting hurl... Uh, <laughs> damn it. I think by far the, the most interesting early human is... The Homo heidelbergensis, which has the first documented controlled use of fire, wooden spears, and the first to build shelters out of wood and stone. So these advances come from an increased brain cavity or, or brain size. And I was jumping ahead of myself. We know they had a bigger brain because when we find skulls, we can see that the inside of the skull where the brain would be is bigger volumetrically. So we can essentially... Uh, measure how much volume this skull has or you know could contain and we can imagine that the brain is bigger if the skull cavity is bigger this increased brain size is an easy and important trend to recognize throughout our history one theory is that eating cooked meat contributed heavily to the development of bigger brains due to the increased protein and fat consumption now i know what you're saying 
these humans, uh, Homo heidelbergensis, already had larger brains, but they were the first to have controlled use of fire. So maybe it's possible that an earlier version of humans had controlled use of fire or just used fire when they could, when it was available, you know, when a wildfire, lightning strike, whatever it may be. I don't really know, but that's just one contribution or one thought is that cooked meat did contribute to larger brains. So what about this new species of humans that we found? Like, where do they fall into all of this? Well, back in the 1930s, a skull was discovered in Harbin City in China. The man who supposedly found it had hidden it in a well, not telling anyone the location of it until he was on his deathbed. The skull was then acquired by scientists in 2018 and eventually analyzed. What they found was really interesting. Several scientists stated that this was the largest and one of the most complete homo, uh, you know, skulls belonging to the homo genus. And the skull dates back somewhere between 150 to 300,000 years ago, right where we were starting to develop. It also has features that seem to be a mix between older humans and more modern humans. Older humans have thick brow ridges and developed jaws compared to today's more flat, delicate humans. But Chris Stringer at the Natural History Museum in London says that, quote, the face looks so much like a bigger version of a modern human face, end quote, to give you some idea of what this looks like. It's just imagine like a bigger, thicker human face. Some scientists suspect that this may be the first skull of a Denisovan, which is a group of now extinct individuals, that was only discovered 10 years ago by random chance, almost, from a cave out in Siberia. So, is this a new species of human? Well, there is some debate on that. While some are calling it a new species, Homo longi, or the Dragon Man, which is, uh, incidentally, the new greatest name ever, some scientists aren't convinced. And I'm going to throw my two cents into the ring at the moment. I am not going to sit here and debate whether Denisovans are real or they're a different species or if they're like a subspecies of humans. That We'll talk about that in a second. What I am going to be skeptical or at least critical of is the fact that back in the 1930s, some dude found a skull. So it's, not, it's 2021. That's 90 years ago. 90 years ago is a long time. Dude found a skull. He didn't tell anyone until he was on his deathbed. So eventually in 2018, scientists are able to analyze it. But this could, I mean, I guess it can't be fake, right? If scientists are able to analyze it and it comes back as human or more importantly, as potentially Denisovan, like he can't make up that DNA. But just the idea of, why wouldn't, I mean, I don't know. That's the thing that bothers me. Why would you hide it? Why would you hide it for so long? Like, there's so much more information we could have gained from having it for the past 90 years. Like, it, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So, what are Denisovans? They are thought to be closely related to modern humans, but still somewhat different. And we talked about them in the last episode. Lauren kind of brought it up towards the end. And they are what some people call amorphous species. They look different based on the few bones we've able to uh, been able to find, but they're very similar genetically. 
And scientists originally assumed Denisovans would be closely related to Neanderthals just based on their morphology, meaning the, the structure of their bones, how they looked, but it turns out they're not. There is DNA evidence to suggest that Neanderthals, another early human as you probably know, and Homo sapiens had mated. In fact, there we know that happened because there are humans walking around today with Neanderthal DNA. So we know what happened. The real question is, are Denisovans a result of human and Neanderthal mating? And I know that's, you know, kind of crazy, but if they are like this morpho species, they're like almost like this in-between kind of species, something that you see with genetics, you know, you, you have two individuals who have a baby. Well, guess what? The baby often takes on characteristics of both. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it looks like one. Sometimes it looks like neither. But, I mean, what other information do we really have? So... Are Denisovans humans that came about from human and Neanderthal sexy time, are they their own separate species? We don't really know for sure, but one of the classic definitions of a species is that two individuals from different species cannot make fertile offspring. That's really important because clearly Neanderthals mated with at least some form of human that would become modern Homo sapiens or you know, Homo sapiens sapiens is a, the technical uh, genus and species, ca whatever it is, character categorization for today's humans. So obviously, since people living today have Neanderthal DNA, there was some level of mating, whether it was directly with Homo sapiens or or something else that also mated with Homo sapiens. And there's I, I don't know exactly, right? But Homo, like, we're able to have kids. Like People still have children. So obviously, if Neanderthals and Homo sapiens mated and they had a child and those children continue to mate with more Homo sapiens, well, there's still Neanderthal DNA. But as the generations go on, it gets diluted out and now you only have 1% Neanderthal DNA or something like that. And that's pretty much what the case is today. It's like 1% to 2% maximum uh, Neanderthal DNA in some humans. So clearly, they couldn't have been, e well, I guess it's two things, right? Either Neanderthals and Denisovans and modern Homo sapiens are all actually one species. They're all just kind of like different, I don't want to say subcategories, but different lineages of Homo sapiens or whatever you would want to call them. I would imagine that if it turns out that Neanderthal, Homo sapiens, Denisovans are all the same species, they'll probably get put into the Homo sapiens species, maybe, again, as different lineages, because we're not going to change our species because we're alive and they're not, so we get the final say, I guess. Remember, history is always written by the winners. <laughs> That's a terrible thing to say. But the other possibility is that, well, maybe our definition of species is wrong, Maybe two individuals of a different species can make fertile offspring, and I'm pretty sure, in at least in some other episode, Lauren mentioned that because she's into that kind of stuff. As you may have guessed, there are plenty of scientists who refer to Denisovans as being a group or a lineage of modern Homo sapiens rather than being their own separate species. 
But in order to get more information about Denise Vins and this newly discovered skull to see if they could be classified as a new species, DNA studies will need to be conducted. The problem is getting DNA from a 150,000-year-old skull is a little bit tricky, but doable under the right conditions. We have been able to extract DNA from teeth of bones that are 50,000 years old and things like that, so it can be done, I'm sure. One thing we do know is that new pieces of our evolutionary history are found more often than you think. There was actually just another new species of humans discovered in the Philippines back in 2019, and it's exciting to think how much we still don't know about our ancestors. Sometimes I get a little bit of, you know, like when I think about science and the prospect of scientific discoveries, I get a little bummed out or a little upset because... You look around the world and you think about how much has actually been discovered already. And the, you know, the more things that are discovered, the less likely it is that another person, another aspiring, aspiring scientist will be able to make a major discovery. But in the field of human evolution and uh, evolutionary biology and all this kind of stuff, there is a ton that we still don't know. And there's a good chance that someone could come along and make a groundbreaking discovery. And that gets me excited. I absolutely love that. That's going to do it for us today. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and especially share it. It takes literal seconds to subscribe and click the fire star review button, and it would mean a whole lot to us. Positive ratings and shares on social media are the biggest ways you can help us spread this good, good science to even more people. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at JustNASScience. You can also visit our website, JustNASScience.com, where you can watch YouTube videos, read blog posts, or submit questions and suggest topics for future episodes. And don't forget, we put out new episodes every Tuesday. As always, thanks for listening. Well, I guess Lauren will be back next week, so later, you nerd. Man, I am really not funny without Lauren. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs>